0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everyone. We're in a series called I Love My Church. And in this series, what we're doing is we're celebrating some amazing things that we've done over the past year together, but we're also rehearsing our vision and our core values. You see, our mission here is to preach the gospel and to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. To preach the gospel, translated good news. We love giving people good news. There's so much bad news in the world, we like to give people good news. And how many people know what Jesus did for us on the cross is the best news we could ever get? It doesn't stop there. We want to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And we do that by executing a set of core values that we have at the church. And last week, Pastor Tony talked about two of them, two of our core values, which were everything belongs to God and compassion for others. And we believe wholeheartedly that everything good that we have comes from God, and we need to give a lot. We need to share. We need to have compassion and meet the needs of others. And you guys stepped up to the plate by raising $39,000 in one Sunday to have compassion for others. Today I'm talking about two of our other core values, and that's relationships matter and acts of service. Relationships matter and acts of service. You see, I believe that true life change happens in the context of relationship. I believe that because that's where I've seen the most transformation in my own life. In fact, when I was 18, I left the comfort of Michigan and I went away to college to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Why I went somewhere colder than here, I still don't know. Could've went to Florida, could've went somewhere else, but no, I went to Minneapolis, Minnesota where they actually have more snow than we do here at this time. But I remember, I lived on a dorm floor with 30-some guys. And It was a foreign place and you kind of get to college and you don't really know everybody. You live in this big new city. And so what the school did is they got intentional about trying to connect people together and help them grow spiritually together. And so on our dorm floor, we had a resident advisor and we had two discipleship leaders they were called. And the three of them made up the leadership of the floor and they were there intentionally to try to create experiences for us to connect with more people, get to know more people, and and try to ensure that we were growing spiritually together. And on top of that, we had a sister floor. And there was like 30 some girls in the dorm and they had a resident advisor and two discipleship leaders. And so they created a community for us of about 60 people that tried to gather together on a weekly basis and get to know one another. And every single week, the two resident advisors and the four discipleship leaders would get together and they would organize different things for us. They would take time to organize events, retreats, small group experiences, different ways to connect us together. And because they were so strategic and organized, it worked. We became a very tight-knit floor. We built really solid relationships. We had a ton of fun together. I mean, I think even one time, I remember playing football with a raw chicken instead of a football. I mean, it's just amazing uh, life experiences that you have in college. (laughs) But every Tuesday night, We called it small group life core night in the dorms. And it was optional, you didn't have to do it. But if you wanted to, you could get together with four or five guys and you could just talk about how the semester was going, what you were struggling with, you could get prayer. And it was in those moments that I realized how important relationships are. And the difference between just having friendships but then having relationships that have God involved in them. When you can experience God with a group of people, it bonds you together and it changes your life. And it was in those moments where I heard God's voice. It was in those moments where I learned how to care for the needs of other people. In fact, I'll never forget one time One of the kids came running in out of his dorm room in college and we were all getting ready to go to bed and he said, hey, my dad just got involved in a terrible car accident. They're rushing him to the hospital. They don't know if he's gonna make it. So we all gathered together in one room and began to pray. We didn't know what to say. We didn't have words of comfort in that moment. All we knew is we were gonna stand by this guy in this dark moment, and pray with them. And we were there for over an hour before he finally got a phone call that his dad was okay and doing well. And he looked at us, and I remember, he looked at us and he said, I don't know what I would have done without you guys. You see, relationships matter. They matter, and when you can have experiences that bring people together with God at the center of them, it changes everything. True life change happens in the context of relationships. And I want to tell you, if you're not doing life with other Christians on a regular basis, you are missing out on one of the greatest things we could ever do in life. And I'm telling you, It will be hard for you to see true life transformation and change happen and continual growth if you're not around people who believe what you believe and can sharpen you and be there for you in your darkest moments. And I wanna say that when I was in college, none of that authentic community would have been possible if people didn't use their gifts of leadership, organization, administration, and helps to intentionally and strategically find ways to get us together so that we could build these meaningful relationships where true life change was possible. That's the beauty of the church. It's like no other organization around. Because what it does is it relies on every single person coming together who's uniquely different and has unique gifts. And when you come together and you bring your gift to the table, it benefits every single person in this place. And we can experience God together because of the people of God using their gifts. It's amazing. And it's something that Jesus taught us. It's not something that we just came up with as the church. It's all over the Bible. In fact, when Jesus came to this earth, he did something amazing. He didn't come to the earth and just try to find the biggest synagogues around so that he could get his message out. He didn't come just speaking and teaching and trying to get the word out that he is the Messiah. No, what he did is he came to this earth and he picked 12 guys and he said to these 12 guys, your lives are never gonna be the same again and all of our lives are gonna change because of the context of this relationship and Jesus did life with these guys. He taught them things, he ate with them, they laughed together, they cried together, they traveled together. And it was in those moments where Jesus taught them the most crucial lessons about life. And he gave us a model to follow. Listen, if you guys wanna do something of significance for the, in the world, gather a small group of people together, do life together, and the, you can change the world. I mean, those 12 guys are responsible for changing the entire world. And it's amazing. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Matthew 17, verse one. Matthew 17, verse one. And on top of Jesus having 12 disciples, he then had three that were even in his closest circle. So he had these 12 amazing disciples and then he picked three of them, Peter, James, and John. And these three were his closest friends. These three he poured into the most. And in this portion of scripture we're about to read, Jesus wants these three to have an encounter and an experience with God that they would never forget. So let's read this together. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus, appeared. Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. Other translations say, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid and when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they only saw Jesus. Now this is an incredible experience with God that these three disciples got to witness. And this word transform, when it says Jesus was transformed or transfigured, that word in the Greek is metamorpho, and it means to change, and more specifically, it means to change the outside with the reality of the inside. So Jesus' divine nature up until this point was veiled. It was hidden. But what the disciples got to see is they got to see a sneak peek of what Jesus really looked like before he came to earth, what his divine nature really was. And who was there in this moment is very significant. You had Moses and Elijah that were here in this moment. Now the significance of this is that Moses represented the law. God giving Moses the law. In fact, Moses heard directly from God multiple times throughout scripture, was responsible for writing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And before Jesus was on the scene, Moses was the guy that everyone looked to like we look to Jesus. So he's very significant. they put this guy on a pedestal as having a direct line of communication with the Father. Elijah was a prophetic voice. He heard from God and gave prophetic words to a whole generation. He had such an anointing, he performed miracles. Crazy things happened. God used Elijah to do some incredible things. In fact, Elijah never tasted death. He went in a chariot right up to God. So these two men represent the law and the prophets, two heroes of the faith. And so when Peter sees all three of them together, he's like, this is amazing. Let's stay here. We never have to leave. In fact, I want to build three memorials. I want to build three tents. We'll just live up here on the mountaintop. We've got Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. I mean, we don't need anything else. This is incredible. And as he said that, God shows up and interrupts him. And the disciples hear the voice of God. God says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. They fall face down. It's in that moment they realize Jesus really is the son of God. He is who he said he was. They fall face down and get this. When Jesus touches them, they look up and the significance is Moses and Elijah are gone and only Jesus is left because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And in that moment, the new covenant is born. A new covenant of grace, a new covenant of love, a new covenant. Remember Jesus said, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets rest on these two things. Jesus was the fulfillment of that in that moment and Peter, James, and John got to experience it. What a life-changing experience that bonded those two guys together. I'm telling you, when you get to experience God together like that, it will bond you together. That's what's amazing with the church, is you can have these kind of mountaintop God experiences together. So they didn't wanna leave. But Jesus said, okay, we gotta go down the mountain. I can just imagine Peter, James, and John walking down the mountain and looking at each other going, oh my gosh, what just happened? But as they got closer and closer and closer to the bottom of the mountain, real life began to creep in again. Because you can't live on the mountaintop. And when they got down, some crazy things began to happen. In fact, shortly after this experience, Jesus was arrested. He was put on trial. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was mocked. And then he was crucified. And he hung on a cross. I can only imagine what Peter, James, and John were thinking. They had to be thinking we were just on the mountaintop with God, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, and now Jesus is really gone? He's dead. How did this happen? We thought God would have intervened. We thought something supernatural would have happened so that this didn't have to happen even though Jesus warned them it would, they didn't believe it was actually going to happen. So as soon as they come down to the mountain, not too long later, they're in this valley. They're devastated by this huge life disappointment. They scatter, they're isolated from each other. They have no idea what to do with their lives now. They feel terrible, they're depressed, they're sad, they're anxious and wondering if someone's gonna come knock on their door next. These were his disciples. Are, the, are they gonna come for us next? Are they gonna arrest us next? Are they gonna do exactly to us what they just did to Jesus? Man, that's dark, that's low, that's a valley. They went from the mountain the valley. And some of you know exactly what that feels like. You know, initially when you become a Christian, if you are one in this room, life can feel amazing. I mean, here you have a God who loves you so much that he sends his son to you. He doesn't ask you to come to him. He sends his son to you. He pays the ultimate price so that he can be with you. You hear this message of love and redemption, Jesus dying on the cross, but doesn't state that he raises from the dead. We put our faith in him, and in that moment, God wipes away our sin. He fills us with grace and his spirit. He chooses to see us as righteous sons and daughters in his sight. I mean, we're on the mountaintop in this moment. I'll never forget when I just first began to own my faith, and I was in Bible college, and it, it was just like—I mean, I owned my faith when I was younger, but in Bible college, is when I'm like God took it to the next level. And I remember just being in the library and studying, but in between studying, I would open up God's Word and I would read it, and it felt like every time I put my schoolwork aside for a minute and spent some time reading God's Word, He would speak so clearly to me through His Word. And that's kind of what happens when we first become Christians is every time we open up the Bible, we're like, wow, this is amazing. God is speaking right to me. You pray and you see God's face and you feel his presence and you feel so connected to him. Then you come to church and you can't wait to get there. And you get there early and you're talking to people and you're smiling and and you come into your seat and you can't wait for worship to start. And then worship begins, and the worship leader's playing all your favorite songs, and it's like God just knows you. He's doing it just for you. Then you sit down, and the preacher gets up to speak, and you got your notepad and your pen, and you got your word, and you're just ready. And the the, the guy speaking, he speaks a word that ministers right directly to you. Something that you studied in your Bible the day before and something that you felt like God was confirming in your life and you're just blown away. Then you go to work and you're having conversations with coworkers and God is just giving you the right words to say to these people and you're ministering, you feel like you're used by God and you are on the mountaintop. But then at some point, life starts to creep back in. God's presence maybe seems to fade. Without realizing it, you've come down from the mountain back to the real world. And your faith doesn't seem quite so amazing anymore. I mean, you still believe in God. You still go to church most of the time. But it's different now. You pray, you read the Bible when you have time because you know you should. It doesn't feel as fresh. doesn't feel, you don't feel as connected to God. You come to church and the worship leader isn't playing your favorite songs. And the preacher isn't speaking on something that you really find that interesting. And you're wondering where God is your conversations with your coworkers and friends, you just don't feel like you have anything to give. And then life doesn't go as you planned or as you hoped it would. Maybe something devastating, unexpected, or unexplained happens to you. You get some terrible news, you suffer pain, you suffer loss, and you're wondering, where is God? If you've never been there, I hope you never will be there. But I think most of you in this room understand exactly what I'm talking about. And in his book, Experiencing God, author Henry Blackaby describes this valley as a crisis of belief, a season of struggling and doubting God and his goodness in our lives. Usually the crisis is ignited by a specific trigger, such as a serious physical challenge, a financial setback, or relational disappointment. But here's the thing, let me give you some hope. You're never created, you were never created to live on the mountaintop. You were never created to live there. You see, the mountain is great for us, but it doesn't benefit other people. Unless we take what we receive on the mountain, down the mountain, and into the lives of others, the mountaintop is actually a really selfish place to be. And we've gotta come down the mountain where real life happens, face some of the valleys in our lives to understand who God is because it's in the valley that you experience a love and grace from God that you've never known. It's in the valley that God teaches you things that you wouldn't have learned any other way. It's in the valley that you understand you get a level of compassion for people who are going through pain. It's in the valley you learn how to navigate some of life's hardest and most difficult challenges. It's in the valley that you grow the most. But here's the thing about the valley, you don't live there. You walk through it. Yep. Walking through it can be very difficult. can be painful. You can feel like giving up. You can feel like you can't handle anymore, but that's exactly when you become desperate for God. And it's in those moments where he gives you the strength. You realize that you're stronger than you thought you were. And he gives you the strength to motor through the valley, to walk through. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So you walk through it, and it helps you to relate to others. My good friend Chris Cook always says this. He says, God doesn't cause the pain, but he doesn't waste it either. He says, what happens for me at the cross is bigger than what happens to me in real life. See, it's in the valley that we realize our lives aren't always gonna be perfect. We're gonna experience pain. But what Jesus did on the cross for us is so much greater than what we experience to us, the pain we experience to us in this life. And we've gotta keep our eyes on Jesus in the valley and when you don't give up and when you keep moving through the valley and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus through those tough times, you come out such a strong person. You come out with a greater revelation of who God is, a greater revelation than you could have ever experienced on the mountaintop. And you're able now to bring those lessons, those valuable life lessons to people who are going through pain. The lessons I've learned in my suffering and in my pain have helped me to have a level of compassion I never thought I would have for people. It's taught me how to really help people. Not just pray over them not just minister with them, not just be there, but how to really walk with them through a difficult time and come out the other side stronger. And I'm telling you, I am so thankful for the church in these moments because this is the only place that offers hope, healing and transformation. Other people can stand with you during tough times. Other people can be with you. You can have a lot of fun and a lot of laughs with people. But when you get a group of people together who are led by the Holy Spirit, they have a comfort and they can give a hope that you can't experience anywhere else. When Jesus rose from the dead, he went to his disciples. And they were in their suffering. They were in their pain. They were in their valley. And he said, hey, I'm here, guys. I'm alive. I didn't stay dead. I know you were scared. I was going to. But I'm alive. Now, I got to leave, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that throughout the next few years, You're going to have mountaintop experiences and you're going to have valleys, but I want you to know I'm with you through both. You're going to have some times of my incredible presence. You're going to see things greater than you've ever seen when I'm alive. But you're going to experience some pain and some heartache as well. But my Holy Spirit is with you to comfort you, to lead you, to guide you. And you know what? You need to be there for each other walk together through the mountaintops, walk together through the valleys. And that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. And that same spirit that God gave to the disciples, he gives to us upon our salvation. And when we get to do life together, We can experience God in powerful ways together. And sometimes that's a mountaintop experience, and sometimes that's just by being next to someone at the hospital when they get some really bad news. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor. I got to do life with some incredible people. For 13 years I had these youth leaders. And something that we all had in common was we loved Jesus and we loved teenagers. And there was something, we all just believed in teenagers so much. You know, we didn't have to see what parents mostly see. We didn't have to see uh, the messy rooms. We didn't, we didn't see all the back talk that they gave. We didn't see any of the disrespect. We got to see the potential and greatness in teenagers. And we believed in them. And I'll never forget, every month our youth leaders, we would bring a dish and we would gather, there's 20 of us. And we would laugh, we would eat, but then we would pray together. And we'd pray for our teenagers in this church. And then we would go away on a camp or a retreat And we would have some of the most incredible mountaintop experiences with God. I'll never forget this one Cedar Point summer camp trip. We had two services. And in the second night, we had an experience with God together that marked us. It was amazing. People's lives were changed. Never the same after that night. In fact, the youth group came together Like I'd never seen it before. It grew over the next few weeks because people just wanted to come and be together and experience God together. Mountaintop experience. And after I felt like the Lord was calling me away from youth ministry into something new, a new season, I didn't realize the valley I was about to experience in life. In fact, I didn't realize how important that community of people meeting together every month, doing life together, and experiencing God together, how incredible that really was. And I missed it. And it was shortly after that, a lot of our youth leaders, we all walked through some valley times, some tough, painful times. But the truth is, in those valley moments, We all learn things about life we needed to learn to go to the next level in God, to go to our next level in being ministers, leaders of the church. So everything happens in a season for a reason, and we gotta embrace the season we're in. Don't wish away the season as hard as it might be because God is probably showing you something you will never learn any other way. So if you're here today, and I just want to give you a, just some practical things that you can do because once again, I believe life change happens in the context of relationship. So whether you're going through the mountain, on a mountaintop right now, or you're in a valley, I want to encourage you to get involved here, to do life with some people in this place, and we give you some great opportunities to do that. In fact, our our staff sits around and thinks and prays and discusses and has meeting after meeting all talking about how can we bring people together so that a group of people can experience God together and experience life change together. We have opportunity after opportunity. So a couple quick things you could do. We have our new community lunch in December 2nd. You heard about in the video announcements. If you've never joined it, join it. Jump in. See what this community offers to you and how you can be a part of it. Cause I'll tell you right now, you need us. And we need you. So come get involved. If you've never served on one of our ministry teams or made a difference or an impact in the life of someone else, on Wednesday, December 12th, we have a one-hour class from seven to eight called Discover. In this one hour, you can, we teach you how to understand your personality, your spiritual gifts, and your passions. We get you to put it all together, and by the end of that one hour, You understand how God has wired you and designed you to make a difference in this world. If you've never come, come. We're forming our life group semesters for next year right now. Maybe God's been putting on your heart that you have the gift of leadership or organization or hospitality. It's time. The church needs you to step out and lead a group and bring people together. I love life group ministry. If you can't get connected here, it's not because there's not an opportunity. So I'm gonna ask you to take a step. If you're in my life group, will you just stand up real quick? I see a couple people. People. I'm telling you, these people right here, We've had this semester of life groups together and we never were together before this. But we have connected and we have bonded and we've experienced God together and we're laughing and we're crying and we're trying to grow in our marriages and it's funny and it's real life. But I want to thank you guys for being willing to step out and join a group because getting to know all of you has changed me and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys doing that. So you gotta stick, you gotta stick with my life group now, you can't leave. <laughs> All right, you guys can sit down. Don't mean to embarrass you. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Some of you, you're in the mountaintop right now, and I am so happy for you if you are in a season where God is just speaking to your heart, where you're experiencing him, I just am so happy. And I'm going to pray that season just continues to last in your life. I'm just going to pray that God shows you so many things, gives you so many, so much revelation. I'm going to challenge you to take those experiences down the mountain into someone else's life. But if you're in here right now, and you've experienced some real trauma and some real pain in your life, would you be willing to just raise your hand real quick? A lot of you. If you feel like you're in the valley, would you just raise your hand real quick? Thank you. You can put them down. I want you to know you're not alone. That you do not have to do life alone that we love you, and we will do whatever we can to be there during this hard time in your life, to walk you through it. We can't fix it, but we can be there for you. And Father, I just pray over every one of those people who raise their hands, who are experiencing a valley they're experiencing a tough time of pain and trauma. Lord, I know that you didn't cause that pain, and then you don't want to see them broken, but I also know that you won't waste that pain either, and I pray for the valley time that you would give every single person walking through that valley the grace, the love, and the comfort to make it through this painful season. That you would pour out your spirit on them in this season. And I pray That as they walk through the valley, that that no one in here would buy the lie that they're living in the valley now that this is their new normal, but that they're gonna walk through the valley and as they walk through it, I pray you would lead them, you would guide them, you would teach them things they couldn't learn any other way. We love you, Lord. We give you this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanna thank you so much for coming today. If you're visiting with us and you don't have a home church, we'd love to get to know you. If you're visiting with us and you do have a church, go all in on that church, you know what I mean? Go all in, build some awesome relationships and get involved and do something of significance there. They need you. And so we're gonna have a prayer team. There's gonna be people who are willing to pray with anyone walking through a valley. Wanna let you know you don't have to feel alone. You don't have to go through pain alone. We have people who are willing to pray. And otherwise, God bless you as you go. We got some coffee and some donuts. Go ahead and enjoy those as you leave today. Go Lions. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.